Election College, Episode 95, The Libertarian Party, Maximum Freedom, Minimum Government. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, there's a lot of political parties out there. We've talked about like a whole bunch of them. And uh, we like going back all the way back into the early days of America into that history. But we're going to talk about a political party that's only uh, 30, 40 years old today, the Libertarian Party. Yeah. Go Libertarians. How you doing out there? All, how many are there now? I think there's less than a million. Yeah, I think officially there's less than a million. Uh, In the polls, they tend to poll a little higher and even... The candidates get voted a little higher, but yeah, as far as actual registered people uh, in the Libertarian Party, there's not all that many. You're a few, but you're mighty. There you go. Uh, So, uh, you know, you you hear almost exclusively about the Democrats and the Republicans and the candidates for those two, and with good reason, because they are the majority, but the Libertarian Party is essentially the most prominent third party uh, that there is at the moment. Yeah. So you want to talk a little bit about how these libertarians came to be? Yeah. So the first national convention for the Libertarian Party was held back in June of 1972. And and the name Libertarian Party was chosen as their name, which was selected over the New Liberty Party. And their official slogan was, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, I think I actually kind of like that uh, first slogan, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, but mostly because they abbreviated it T-A-N-S-T-A-A-F-L, which is kind of the, um, you know, does the opposite of what an abbreviation should, which is make it easier to say. Uh, so anyway. Uh, it looks Welsh <laughs> or something. Like. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Tan stuffle. Uh, by the end of the 70s, they actually had uh, a logo that's been in place ever since, which is basically Lady Liberty. And, you know, libertarians, liberty, kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Is that silhouette of Lady Liberty the back or the front? I can't tell. Uh, well, she's got, got the torch in her in, in the one side, so I think it's the front. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, in the 1990s, there were some different libertarian parties that actually adopted the Liberty Penguin as their mascot. And then another mascot is actually the Libertarian Porcupine. So, uh, you know, those are also other things you may see out there. But the official libertarian logo is Lady Liberty. Okay. So three different ones. I guess that's acceptable because it is kind of laissez-faire. So the Libertarian Party is democratically governed by its members and they have state affiliate parties that hold annual or even biannual conventions and they elect delegates to go to the big shindig known as the national convention yeah everybody's got a national convention and everybody's got representatives so that's that shouldn't be too terribly foreign to you 
they do have the Libertarian National Committee as well. There are 27 members of that party or of that committee. And basically they're like, hey, we oversee the day-to-day stuff. We kind of take care of the national office. And eh, we they're like the, the leadership board of the Libertarian Party. And then you break it down into state chapters, which the, the Libertarian Party is organized in all different 50 states and also in the District of Columbia. And those state chapters just kind of take care of stuff on a more local level. Yeah. Now, if you want to go out and say that you are a member of the Libertarian Party, you can sign an agreement that says, hey, I want to sign the membership pledge. And then you sign the membership pledge and you are asked to pay dues. And those dues are $25 a year. And you can also sign up for a lifetime membership by donating $1,500 within a calendar year. And the things that you get as a paid member are a subscription to the national newspaper called the LP News. And membership in the party state affiliates is separate from the national party. So each state chapter maintains its own membership role. And we promise this is not an advertisement for the Libertarian Party. Uh, It's just much different than many other parties where you just check a box and, hey, I'm a member of the Democrat Democrat Party or the Republican Party. Uh, You know, it's a little more in-depth than that for the the Libertarians, especially since they're not as well-known. So uh, the basic party goals, uh, the preamble of the the, the goals of the party kind of outline it the best. As libertarians, we seek a world of liberty, a world in which all individuals are, are sovereign over their own lives, and no one is forced to sacrifice his or her values for the benefit of others. So, I mean, that kind of lays it all out there for you. Um, hey, we don't want anybody telling us what to do, and we're not going to tell you what to do. Uh, so, you know, you can decide whether that's good or bad, and whether you think that's good or bad or not, but that's that kind of encapsulates the entire essence of the Libertarian Party. Uh, There are different limitations they want to place on government, keep government small, and pretty much, hey, if it's a a big state entity like, uh, I don't know, the IRS, let's just get rid of it because we can manage that stuff on smaller levels. Right. So when it comes to politics and where they stand as it relates to the two leading parties, the Republicans and the Democrats, the Libertarians are quite boastful in that they say on social issues, they are very much to the left of what a Democrat would ascribe to, and very much to the right on economic issues to what a Republican would hold to. So they're not really anything like a Republican, and they're really not anything like a Democrat. Yeah, so you're looking at things like a less powerful federal government. You're looking at civil liberties for people of the LGBT community, um, for same-sex marriage. You're looking at drug laws being made more lax or even eliminated in some cases, separation of church and state, immigration. Why not open it up to anybody? Foreign affairs, leave them alone unless they're hurting us. Don't bother with them. And... uh making it so that the people have more of a voice, essentially. So as far as libertarians and how they have done in elections, 
they've had some success by electing candidates mainly at the state or local level. In 1988, for instance, uh, the Reverend Dr. James W. Clifton actually made Michigan state history by becoming the first libertarian to win office in a partisan contest. And he did that by winning a city council position in Addison. And he beat out the Republican and Democratic candidates. And there have been 10 libertarians who have been elected to state legislatures, uh, the most recent being Steve Valancourt, who was elected to the New Hampshire House in the year 2000. And Valancourt was a Democrat member of the House and had some libertarian leanings, and he lost the Democratic primary in the New Hampshire Senate that year. And so he accepted the Libertarian nomination in order to keep his House seat. So in his case, yeah, he's a Libertarian, but he did it for another reason. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As far as the presidential elections go, well, we haven't had a Libertarian president. And that makes sense to to, to date, at least. Uh, The first woman to ever receive an electoral vote was Theodora Nathan. And this was because, well, remember those faithless electors, those rascals that are out there? Uh, Roger McBride decided that he wasn't going to pledge, to honor his pledge to vote for Nixon and actually cast his ballot for the Libertarian ticket and therefore voted for John Hospers and Theodore Nathan. And guess what? In the next election in 1976, He's the presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. So anyway, what I was saying was uh, you start to see the percentage going up for how many percent of the vote, the popular vote, the Libertarian Party gets all the way up in 2012 when the Libertarian Party got just under 1%. Now, 2016, you know, a lot of the polls are going crazy and, hey, oh, we've got uh, the Libertarian Party polling at 10%. That might be the possibility. We'll see what it looks like when people actually get down to the election and and if they decide that um, they they want to vote for a party that has historically not won. It's hard to vote for someone who doesn't win, even if you believe that they're the right ones. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because looking at this year and then I try to stay as much away from 2016 politics as possible, but it is interesting to note that when Trump won the Indiana Republican primary, and that pretty much clinched it for him to be the uh, the nominee for the Republicans, the Libertarian Party got a bit of a bump, and they received 99 new memberships. And in the Google searches, uh, Libertarian Party and Gary Johnson, who is the candidate this year, actually got a boost from that. And interestingly enough, Mary Madeline, you remember her, who's married to James Carville, and they mm-hmm. used to duke it out with each other, which that's got to be one of the most interesting relationships ever. <laughs> I yeah. wonder what their their private conversations, if they ever even talk about politics. But uh, she said, you know what? I'm ditching the Republican Party and becoming a libertarian. Yeah. Absolutely. That's hard to do when you're deeply entrenched in the in a party like Mary Madeline was, uh, or I guess kind of is. So, um, yeah. 
Hey, Jason, uh, ballot access is a big thing that you always hear about with third-party candidates and especially the libertarians because you know you don't always have ballot access if you're a small tiny party and well how do they how do they get that access that's a great question yeah it's different because each state has their own rules as to how people appear on the ballot or how political parties appear on the ballot so the libertarian party has had all 50 states and the district of columbia a libertarian candidate on their ballots. And that's more than can be said for many third parties. Yeah. And some states are like, oh, sure. We don't care. Put whatever party you want on there. Other parties make them take it to court. Some make them petition and get so many members to sign a petition. Uh, It really all just depends on the state and where you are state to state, which (laughs) coincidentally is probably exactly how the libertarians would like it to go although they probably would like that their candidate was on the ballot in every state, <laughs> regardless of that particular stance. But so maybe we, do you want to talk about some of the couple, just a couple of the individual issues and kind of where they lie so people can get an idea of what the Libertarian Party looks like, Jason? Yeah. What would happen if a Libertarian became president and won every seat in the House and the Senate? What would our world look like? What would our country look like? They would probably all cut their own jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they are all about taking the, quote, welfare state and throwing it out. According to the party platform, quote, the only proper role of government in the economic realm is to protect property rights, adjudicate disputes, and provide a legal framework in which voluntary trade is protected. So the government is non-existent all of a sudden in areas that we're just used to having government being involved in. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, the party actually supports that the U.S. public school system, you know, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, have, having your kids in school. Well, they're like, nah, shut it down, uh, which, you know, I think many people would tend to agree with this. Education is best provided by the free market, and you get better quality, you get better efficiency if you have more of a school choice. So almost like turning schools into a business in the sense that if you have better schools, you'll have more money because more people will pay to get into them or will come to them, which therefore you'll attract better instructors and then in turn have better schools, which you know just completes the cycle. So certainly there are uh, good arguments for having a U.S. public school system, and there are also good arguments for not having a public school system. So um, that's one another thing that libertarians are kind of uh, way countercultural to either of the major parties that are out there. Yeah, and they're all about the free market, and I should say, quote, free market. So what would happen in issues dealing with the environment or fiscal policies like minimum wage and uh, interest rates and all of that, it's basically the market is going to determine what is going to see succeed or was going to fail. So let's say minimum wage. They're all about just dropping the minimum wage and letting the market take care of how much people are going to get paid for the work that they do. There's going to be this, quote, peer pressure, where 
I've got this business and I'm going to pay my employees better. So the customers are going to be served better. Whereas the guy down the street, he's not paying his workers that well. People are not going to shop there. His business is going to close down. That type of mentality, even when it comes to environmental policies, they believe in stewarding the environment well, but the best way to do that is to foster um, this growth in innovation and technological advances that the free market would take care of without any government intrusion in that. That sounds reasonable enough, but would that happen? I don't know. Right. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to tell what people would do in a situation they've never had the opportunity to be in. So uh, those and many more are some examples of uh, different economic issues that are out there. And as you can see, they're even a little bit far right of where the Republicans would probably fall. But if you move over to the social issues, such as victimless crimes, drugs, pornography, prostitution, polygamy, uh, homosexuality, gambling, things like that. Well, then you start looking at they're even a little bit to the left of the left of the of the Democratic and liberal parties that are out there. Basically, if it's a victimless crime, why would you even bother regulating it? So when it comes to foreign policy issues, libertarians are all about, hey, nations, we respect each other and let's have free trade with everyone and with that being said, we're going to cut foreign aid and we're going to pull out American troops from places like the Middle East because that's not what we do. Yeah, um, we're not doing that anymore. So goodbye. So basically, there you have it. Like, uh, like, I, like we did in the intro, the Libertarian Party is basically let's cut down the government and let's build up freedoms. And you may not agree that all the things they believe are freedoms, or you may think that it's too much freedom. And they would say, you're you're totally entitled to that opinion. We won't dictate whether or not you can think that. And that's kind of that's kind of what you get with libertarians. Yeah. So, laissez-faire libertarian. And if you don't know what laissez-faire means, look it up. I think a libertarian would probably encourage you to go to amazon.com and support the free market by going to electioncollege.com slash Amazon and supporting your favorite podcast. And I think a Democrat would say that it would be really helpful to the community at large if you would leave us a rating and a review over in iTunes. And I don't know what a Republican would think about social media, but they're on there. So you should find us on any of our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram sites and interact with us. We really enjoy that. We'll see you next time.